Thank you for joining us on this week's episode of 22 Motivational Minutes with Marla, where we connect and collaborate with experts in the industry, published authors, and fascinating people. As a chief inspirational officer, I'm focused on the development of people by unearthing their values, their talents, and their self-worth, otherwise known as that self-esteem. People matter. Self-worth matters. Time matters. And when all of that aligns, everything works. And today I have selected what I find is one of the most fascinating people uh, with us today. We have James Klein. James, thank you for being with us today. You're welcome, Marlo. Yeah, yeah. So um, so who's James Klein? Um, James is an executive vice president and a chief lending officer with um, Cedar Rapids Bank and Trust. And, you know, you've served as an executive um, vice president. You work with clients to provide flexible and tailored solutions to help them efficiently manage their financial needs. You serve as a valuable resource of information for networking opportunities. You have a great background of um, education, receiving your MBA degree um, at Iowa, and then 20 years of banking experience. And so we're going to tap into a lot of the, you know, a lot of those things with you today. You, you know, you're very extensive commercial lending school, leadership institute, um, you know, you've really got some great accolades. And so you ready for this call today, James? I'm ready. All right, all right. Okay. okay. So what do you want to add to that? So as I come on and, and we introduce who you are and why I find you fascinating, um, anything else you want to extend or add to? Yeah, I think I would just add, Marlo, to those that are listening, <clears throat> there's nothing probably – super unique. I'm not the smartest guy you'll ever meet. I'm not the uh, most strategic thinker, blah, blah, blah. But but what I think I have been gifted with is an ability to connect with people. And really, if I look back from the start of my career to today, it's been about surrounding myself with good people and having good mentors along the way that has led me to where I am. And mm. one one thing I'm sure we'll talk about is, you know, Who's influenced you and what books have you read and that kind of thing? And without a doubt, Dale Carnegie is at the top of that list. And Dale Carnegie said long ago, you know, 15% of a person or successful people, it's really due to 15% technical and 85% people skills and that type of thing. And, and mm -hmm. I think he was so right, you know, almost 100 years ago. Absolutely. Okay, so take us there. I mean, so development. You've obviously been in pursuit of developing yourself. And what led you to that? I mean, like, talk about who and how you're wired the way you're wired and what works best for you. Where, why have you gotten where you have? Yeah. Well, honestly, t today I'm, a, you know, on the Myers-Briggs and some of those scales. I'm, I'm about as extroverted as you can get and uh, about as feeling as you can get. But when I look back to growing up, I was actually a pretty shy kid. And and I think the reason was is until I got into the business world and, and the people business, the leadership business, I don't think I was feeling my flow, meaning I wasn't in a spot where my natural talents could, could shine. So once I, uh, once I went to college and I worked at a grocery store and a, a guy believed in me more than I believed in myself and he said you should be a you should be a manager a leader and I became a shift shift manager at a grocery store in college uh working full time and going to school full time it was it was just all of a sudden it just seemed to flow so much easier and I think I started to realize that people were the were the difference people are 
the difference in my life, and also I can be the the difference in other people's lives. So once I started leading back in the early 90s, I've been fortunate to be able to lead and be a manager and uh, change agent for people since. And and Marlo and I have talked about this. Once you're in a role or a seat on the bus in which your natural skills and talents line up with what the expectation of your firm are, things just seem to happen. So sometimes in my career, it feels like I really didn't do anything special, but yet the results were tremendous. And I think that's this flow, being in the right spot on the bus, being able to use my talents, and uh, it's led to great results. And then in the last three to five years, the key thing that I've learned is what I'm good at, what I'm not good at. And I think so many times in our careers, we focus on those weaknesses and how do I bring up my weaknesses. Well, in the last three to five years, and Marlo's been key on this, hey, why don't I focus on the five things that I'm really good at and spend the majority of my time doing that? And it, that has led to even even better results. So knowing who you are and finding a place with a firm or in your community or a nonprofit or whatever that allows you to always be who you are and, and good results follow. Absolutely. Okay, what I really find interesting, and I have found this numerous times, you describe yourself like back in the day you would describe yourself as shy, yeah. and yet today you are a true leader. I mean, you're a humble leader that, I mean, like, it's so easy to connect to you because you're a magnet. And I think that's why that's part of your wild success is because you do have that natural skill. And um, it's a blessing that you have been able to have enough awareness to tap into it and know that when you're at that level of service, that's when it connects, not only for you but for other people, okay? So how does a shy person, you know, back in kind of learning and guiding themselves and figuring it out become that beautiful, deep-spirited extrovert that you are today. What's allowed you to, like, cross the bridge or close the gap? Yeah. Uh, I wish I knew the answer for sure. I think it's mostly experiences. Mm -hmm. You know, like I said, being able to experience that role as a leader. I grew up in a house where both my parents worked in factories. And, you know, they went to work at 7 and worked till 3 and did a great job and and did everything wonderful to raise a, a family and, and would sacrifice anything for me. But I probably didn't have the experiences growing up of seeing, you know, a leader in business and those types of things. So not that I, I did or didn't know if I could do that. I just wasn't exposed to it. So once, you know, that grocery store and then getting into banking, which we can talk about in a bit, once I started getting those roles, I think it was, I mean, it was almost like a seed inside me that just needed the exposure and attention to let it grow. So, so getting those jobs, yeah, it just nurtured that, that growth spirit. And then I've been extremely fortunate to have some very, very good mentors in my life. And the one that has made the biggest difference on my life, Ron Larson, who's a retired banker now living in Colorado. I've, I've been working with Ron about 15 years now. And and he's wired totally different than me. He's an introvert, more of a thinker, slow-paced, and I'm an extrovert, fast-paced, and patient, which is not always good. But, I mean, he's taught me so much about being who you are, living in the moment, appreciation, um, valuing people and understanding what they want and how they want to do it, and, you know, this com concept of significance. Every one of us wants to make feel significant in life and make a difference. And so how do we help people get into a spot in which, you know, 
just like I had this seed and I just needed to be in the right environment for it to grow, how do I find out what seed this person out here has and how do I get them in an environment in which they're nurtured and that can naturally grow? Absolutely. And and there's a gift here. I mean, like what you described too, everything has been an extension for you. You know, it's just like a stepping stone. Everything that you've done, every action that you've taken is leading you forward. And that's really powerful. Is there, as I describe that and you hear that, James, is there something that you hear along that path, like that kind of helped you? Because like, how did you go from like being the manager of a grocery store, coming out of college? How did you get into banking? What was it about that? And like you're talking about banking, but yet you're more talking about leadership and people. Connect the dots. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I got into banking because there was a job opening, and I knew I wanted to get back to my hometown. So I wish I had a a better nugget there. But, again, w- once I did get into banking, and, again, I am not the smartest guy in the room by any means. There's so many things I'm not good at. Uh but but I do seem to like finance, and I love people. And so mm. getting into banking brought both of those worlds together. Right. Um, so it was total luck that I ended up in banking, job uh, in the paper. And then I, I started at a bank here in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, which was a phenomenal place for a young banker to start, Perpetual Savings Bank. Great leaders, great culture. Uh, couldn't, have, couldn't have started at a better place in my career and Many of those people that I worked with at Perpetual Bank are still in my lives today at, at the bank here because we brought a lot of them here or other banks. And uh, no doubt about it, that first, that first role I had at Perpetual Bank as a teller, I started at the, at the very entry level as a teller. I mean, I just there's so much appreciation for every role that people play in banking. And, uh, you know, every customer is somebody's grandmother or sister or brother or aunt. And everybody's got a story. So <laughs> while while I, I didn't have exposure to business and leadership growing up, uh, I think that helped me in a way because I, you know, I saw struggling to, to make ends meet and sitting down and doing the bills on a Friday and, and just a lot of different background experience that I think has served me well today. And I, I still think of myself as the same James as growing up or when I got into college, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm the same guy. I don't think I'm any better or right. smarter than anybody else. Uh, and I, I just really enjoy helping people and have have had this benefit of mentors. And now in the last 10 years, I've become mentor to a lot of people. And that's probably the most satisfying thing that I do today, without a doubt. Absolutely. Okay, so I want to step backwards. You you mentioned, you know, you love finance, you love people, and you fell into a little bit of luck. You know what I'm going to hear? It, it was meant to be. I mean, I don't think that that was luck at all. I think you really were in direct pursuit of what you need to be doing, and I think that's why it's so effective. But the the people that are listening to this podcast episode are hearing this common thread within you. You are so easy to recognize others. I mean, that's like everything about James is about that. It's just like, you know, you really recognize the people that have assisted you in getting you where you are today. And, and so you understand the value of others and you understand the value of team. And one of the key things that I picked up on as I've gotten to know you is recognition and the value of not only recognizing your own wins, but others. Talk to me a little bit about that. How does that feed into your leadership and, and recognizing people the way you do? Yeah. I I think probably, you know, I, I've read this book, The Love Languages, and, and some other books like that, and I love personality 
profiles. My love language is words of affirmation. And so I'm just wondering, you know, as we're talking here, I would bet that drives a lot of who I am and how I interact with others. You know, they say your love language, you assume everybody else is the exact same way. Mm-hmm. So I, I think just innately it's inside me that I assume when somebody does a good job that they want to hear words of affirmation. And, and it's not even conscious. I just, it, it's the, in my mind, it's the right thing to do. When somebody does a really, really good job, Mm-hmm. It goes out of their way. I think I genuinely feel this this sense of appreciation inside, and so my filtered way of thinking I should express that as words or time or attention. Right. And and then I think over the years it's probably come to be a self fulfilling prop, prophecy. So I have people that I worked with 15 years ago that have went on to do other things, and the best thing in the world is running into them and them saying gosh, I remember when I worked with you or you were our branch manager and, you know, you made a difference in my life. Mm. That is the best. And so I'm sure it's a self-fulfilling. It just it is. It just feels good. And people always say, hey, what, what do you want your vision to be when you're lying, lying on your deathbed? And yes, I love to travel and I love to do good and I love to win. I, I'm very competitive. But But if somebody can come to my funeral and say, hey, when I was 25 years old, James said this thing on a Friday and I've remembered it and it's helped me to develop my career or this or that. Um, that to me, that's worth it. Awesome. I just, I just want to help people <laughs> yeah. appreciate life. And people here know one of my things is this word appreciation, which I think is one of the most difficult things in the world is appreciating what you have when you have it versus looking back five or 10 years. You know, how many of us say, gosh, I would, you know, looking back, high school was so awesome. I wish I would have appreciated it more when I was there. Or when I first did this, it was so great. At the time, I was stressed and da-da-da, but now looking back, it was some of the best years of my life. How can we challenge ourselves to enjoy it as it happens versus 10 years later? Right. Interesting. Yeah, and that's like, yeah, that's the natural segue of life, you know, and, and, and looking back. Okay, so um, recognition matters. I mean, and I think it's going to be interesting, even for yourself as you listen back to this this podcast series, um, that, I mean, people matter to you. And I, the, the recognition element, I love that you stated that, because somebody that's listening to this right now, they're, you know, understanding that, um, you know, there's some natural values, and that's what you're talking about. Like, you just know that recognition to you, others just naturally need to be recognized. And so I think more people, like you're a magnet for recognition because you're really good at it and you lead by example with it. And so you're teaching other people how to recognize. And I think that's huge because it's not natural for everybody to do that. Would you agree? I agree. I totally agree. And they're, you know, back to what I started with. There's some people that are way better at other things, which I can learn from. So I, I do think, yeah, we're all students in life. And so how do we witness and experience and see how other people are doing things which are good? So, yeah, I do hope that the people I interact with see that it's it's not only good to do and recognize people. It, I mean, it's just the right thing. It's, mm. it's, yeah. it's how we're wired as humans and feeling significant, feeling like we made a difference, whether it's just something very small or, or it's something huge. Absolutely. Okay, so um, as we're kind of coming into the close of this episode, what books do you read? I mean, what keeps you in this zone and like tapping into your flow of your talents, getting results? Is, is, is there something you'd recommend for others? Yes. Um, 
people here know I read all the time. I, I, I probably get two or three books a, a week, and then I also, even better, is listening to a, a book on tape. Mm-hmm. So early on, Carnegie was huge, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Um, and how to stress less, or I don't remember the exact name of that one, how to live stress-free and enjoy your life or something. Those two are key. Covey is huge, the seven habits. You know, think of what what's the worst thing that can happen, and then also sharpen your saw. You know, how do you take time out of the day to, to replenish yourself? Lately, I've, I've really kind of enjoyed Patrick Lynchoni. I think that's how you pronounce some of his books, and him and also Covey Jr., it's all about trust and how do you establish this trust? Because as humans, you know, we, we have this this hierarchy. If you don't have trust, really nothing else is going to take place. So how do you genuinely connect with people and build trust so that when you have good times, they feel it's genuine recognition from you, and when you have challenging times, they can see for what it is and not a personal attack or anything like that that they know when I get after somebody, which I have to do sometimes, they know I'm doing it to make them better, not to mm. drag them down and that type of thing. What so a great point. Right. This, this trust stuff lately has uh, has really emerged in Maxwell and Lynchoni and Covey Jr. So those are some of the people. And like you, Marlo, every now and then I'll say, what books should I be reading? And you'll send me a <laughs> list. And, and I order them right away. And uh, Oh, and one other one who I listen to a lot, younger and I've just started again is Zig Ziglar who yeah. is who is so great about how do you frame your your perception how do you look at things um, glass half full or glass half empty and is it really that bad and that ties right into Covey what's the worst that can happen and if you can come to grips with that then anything else that that happens is better so I love it. And I love that how, so, you know, a lot of self-development is what you're recognizing here. But, you know, the cool part, and I think you will um, validate this, you know, Zig Ziglar, um, Stephen Covey, all of these guys, um, Earl Nightingale, they developed back in the 60s, right, when this movement of self-development was really coming into, into play. But what I find most fascinating, those words, those actions, those strategies still stand so tall in today's world. Totally. Isn't that interesting? What? And Carnegie, who wrote so much in the early changed. 1900s. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, to think, I mean, those core principles and the, the way that it has shaped our, you know, our, our leadership styles and, like, who we are and how we tap into it, I think. And I love the fact that, you know, you rely on the Myers-Briggs and the different, you know, evaluations and assessments because those give us insight. Um, into who we are and how to better understand ourselves and connectivity. So what a delight. Okay, so we're going to come into a close today. And um, so to learn more about James Klein, you can visit our website at marlohiggins.com where you can learn how to connect to James and add him to your circle of influence. And we just want to thank you, James, for joining us today and sharing your knowledge and your leadership and recognition insight with us. It's my pleasure. And, uh, the least I can do to help you, Marla, because you've helped me so much. Awesome, awesome. Well, we invite you to share this podcast with others, and we thank you in advance for your partnership. This is Marla Higgins, your host and Chief Inspirational Officer. Thank you.